We are back with another additional uh, Publicist Confidential. I am your host, Angie Collins, and today I am with Tiffany Joy Murchison. <laughs> Because y'all know I'm good to mess up by somebody's name. So, you know, and it's so funny because I know Tiffany forever. And I'm like, I'll never call you by your last name. So I don't even know what it is. But hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Trump is getting out of the White House eventually. I made it on Publicist Confidential. So now I really feel like I'm somebody. <laughs> I'm right today. Okay, so we're going to start off, you know, because Tiffany, you know, you didn't come in to be a publicist the traditional route. So take us how you began as a publicist. Whew. Um, so initially, my dream was to become an entertainment attorney. That was my dream. Um, and life didn't quite go that way. So I worked for over 25 years in communications and in financial services but always in a role that had something to do with employee relations, labor relations, internal communication, something like that. Um, and then in a post-sales account management uh, position where we managed all of the telephone and internet services for LVMH and Health and Hospitals Corporation and you name it, all the Dwayne Reed stores in the city. And I just found that Communications was at the forefront of everything that I did, even the extra assignments, the stretch assignments I did. Um, I went to City College and I did that as an adult, finished up my bachelor's degree. And one of my friends actually was a professor. She taught PR. And although my degree was in public administration, every elective I took was communications, journalism, PR. And she kept saying, why don't you just switch your major? And I was like, no, no, I just like to do this for fun. Then she sent me to intern at the then infamous Source magazine. Right, <laughs> after, all, right after all the drama. Uh, after the drama? Right what, after all right the after drama. After all the drama. Right okay. after all the drama. So you were there after like the Benzino and, and uh, um, oh my God. And uh, what's his name? Uh, La when Londell took yes. over yes. is when I was there. Okay. We'll save that for a cocktails conversation. Because I know you got to be drunk to listen to that one, but go ahead. <laughs> so, um, you know, worked at the source, had a great time, um, you know, really did love it, but still was thinking that that wasn't something I could make a career out of. Um, again, stayed in financial services, became a mom, and got laid off three times in five years. Oh, wow. And woke up one day, like, God, this is not what I really want to do anyway. I tell people all the time, God kicked me out of corporate America three times before I would actually listen <laughs> and do what I really was supposed to be doing. Um, so I, I went on a trip with my sisters. We do a girls trip every every fall, November, December timeframe. I knew my job was ending the end of January. I said to my sisters, I won't have a job on after January 31st and I don't think I'm going back to work. And my eldest sister said, okay, well, whatever you want to do, we got you. And she's the one that's, you know, you think about Terry on Soul Food, that's my eldest sister. So you got to be straight and narrow all the time. So for her to say that, it took me, you know, I was like, wait a minute, okay. My job ended, ended January 31st, February 2nd, I went to Ikea and bought some office furniture and said, okay, PR and communications it is. All right now. So 
you are based out of in New York, which yes, is ma'am. like the creme la creme, I'm sorry, as far as PR is concerned, because that's where you have a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. If you're trying to get into this industry, because the competition there is fierce, yes. okay? Yeah. So when you started your firm, did you have any fears about competition? I did. Um, at first I thought it was a no brainer. You know, this is New York. I was out partying. When you make a little bit of money, you get to meet a lot of folks, you know, and I made a lot of money at an early age. So I knew everybody, promoters, entertainers, you know, I was here growing up in that nineties era when, you know, stars weren't untouchable. Um, so for me, I was like, oh, I have a lot of connections. This is a no brainer. I did actually go intern for another publicist here in Brooklyn. And I will say that kind of showed me what I didn't want to do more than it showed me what I did want to do. And in that convert, in a conversation with a client while interning for her, um, I was ghostwriting a magazine article. And one of the questions to him was to what did he attribute his success? And he said, my relationship. And he stopped. And I said, your relationship with who? God? And he said, yeah. And I was like, okay. And here I am thinking he's going to tell me all about his relationship with God. Cause of course y'all know I'm Christian. And the publicist squelched it. She wouldn't let him go further. And it made me feel a way. And I thought to myself, there are probably so many celebrities and entertainers that do have a relationship, do have faith, you know, have degrees and things like that, that people don't know about. And you know, they out here fronting. So I took that with me. Um, but my very first client was a nonprofit organization that was doing work in Haiti after the earthquake and someone that I went to church with. And she said, you know, my publicist is this, that, and the third. I really am looking for somebody new. And I said, well, I can do it. And the rest is history. So I know you deal with a lot of nonprofits since we're talking about that now anyways. And, you know, me, you know, as I always say, I'm never going to do a nonprofit because ain't no money in it. But... <laughs> But I know, I, I know they need PR like everybody else, okay? So what made you go that direction? When I got my first client and I did the PR for her, I worked with that client for two years. They used to put on an annual uh, play, a fundraiser every year. It was this big play in Brooklyn. And she said to me, I never get to sit down and watch the entire play, even though I write it. I never eat on the day of. I never, you know, I'm nervous. I have anxiety all day. And I said, well, you know what? This year is gonna be different. And that year they raised the most money that they had ever raised. She sat down in the audience in the front row and got to watch her own play from beginning to end. She was able to eat a plate of food and to see all the work that I had done and that it was actually gonna benefit somebody else. I was like, okay, this is where I need to be. Okay, God, I hear you. This is where I need to be. Awesome. So <clears throat> let's, uh... Let's take a journey somewhere. <laughs> okay, so most of y'all know Tiffany from she like she moderates a lot of the women in PR panels and and um, she likes to get in. So now I'm about to get into her right now. So let me so let me start here with y'all. Okay. Uh oh, y'all, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> no, you're not. So you know, I told you to write an ebook. Oh yes. You took the solo sessions. Yes. And I, I told did. you that I didn't want to see nothing else for this ebook because yes. you work with a lot of businesses and, and 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 you had to do a webinar too. No, you yes. did an in live you did, did an in person one. Yes. Yes. And, um 
the reason I'm asking you all this is because it's, it led you to brand yourself as a publicist, okay? Mm -hmm. So when you wrote your ebook, you got it out there, how did that make you feel? I was nervous as hell in the beginning. <laughs> Tell y'all something. Angie said, write a, you need to have a workshop. And I said, okay. And she said, matter of fact, you need to write an ebook and then have the workshop around the ebook. And I said, okay. And she said, and I need your draft in two weeks. But what? Excuse me? <laughs> Um, but I'm real competitive and I did not want to displease Miss Angie. I, I'm, I'm open to learning from folks. And so I knew that she could teach me what I needed to know. So I was going to do what she told me to do. And I wrote that ebook and I was nervous as heck. And it probably got released with a typo here and there, I'm sure. But I did it. And it was a, it really did feel like a major, major accomplishment to be able to say I was an author was absolutely amazing and it did give me some credibility it did give me some validity um and now so you're on number two now i'm on edition number two yes second edition of that book because like i said it was some typos in the first one um right in the first one i really was like well dag i do a lot for people like this is really a job like y'all don't understand now, writing the second one, I thought about us being in this virtual environment and then everything going on in this social climate, I felt like there were some other things that folks needed to know. And I had said it here and there in different places, but I felt like I needed to bring it all together. So I fleshed out part one a little bit more and gave a little bit more detail on how to handle PR as a small business owner. And then I added a working in a virtual world from home managing your reputation while you're at home because if you think folks are not paying attention to what's going on in your background they absolutely are and i added some for our non-pocs um okay. a little bit of what you need to do to communicate in this environment and whenever there is a social justice issue going on not just now but you know keeping that at the top of mind in all of your pr and all of your business operations you know being sensitive to other groups and, and knowing where your bread is butter okay and so when is it coming out tomorrow ah! <laughs> the same <laughs> Another two-week, yes. another two-week challenge, right? Yes, yes, yes. And you know we have to laugh about because you know I wrote the forward, everybody. And Tiffany staff. <laughs> oh Lord, I told them they were gonna get yelled at today. I said I got yelled at, and y'all gonna get yelled at today. But luckily, kids had to go to the vet, so they didn't get yelled at today. <laughs> they rewrote my forward. Well, it sounded nothing like me. It didn't. It didn't. Like, it really didn't. I was like, who wrote this? Because it wasn't me. I was like, y'all edit this. Make sure there's no typos. You know. And I hadn't really looked at it. And then when I went back and you called me, I was like, whoa. So I did have that conversation today about, you know, making sure that you don't change somebody's voice. Um, that's the big thing in PR period. You know, when we're working with clients and writing for our clients, we have our own voice and our own perspective. But you have to make sure that that doesn't override what your client is trying to say. You're going to tell them how to communicate the message, but you got to make sure the message stays the same, that nothing is lost in translations. Um, I always say that we are interpreters. Because even really you, even because even if you have that one client that just say is like bad for the media, like Beyonce that just really can't talk or anything, but you still have to relate. You know she can't talk, but you still oh, have I to. Know. <laughs> you still have to relate in the tone of your client. 
Absolutely. Um, that's what people don't understand. Like, you know, when I work with D'Angelo, you know, and, and you know, some of y'all know the story and stuff, you know, I got him, you know, because his aunt is married to my, um, to her, his dad. But, you know, he had that whole alcohol syndrome stuff going on. So when he would do interviews, he'd have a three, three minute delay. And it got to the point where, let's not do these anymore. I'll do them for you. But I knew how to answer his questions. Right. And right. I think, and I'm bringing all that because your, your, your people changed the tone of what I wrote. And was I offended? Yes. No, I wouldn't. But, but that's how common is that working with clients. You have to know the tone. Yeah, and that was a good, I was glad, I was kind of glad it happened because it was a very good example for them, for me. To, and I said, listen, let me tell y'all something. Angie gonna come in here, she's gonna be raw. So don't nobody be in their thin skin selves. Y'all better put your big girl panties and big boy boxes on because she finna call and y'all gonna get it today. Um, but they, they 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 lucked up, they didn't get it. Uh -huh, I'm gonna get them. She didn't, <laughs> she didn't call. But no, that was a great lesson for them. I went back and looked at what you had originally sent and what they wrote. And I was like, now, come on, you know, let's look at this. Even for stuff I tell them to write for me, um, I'll have to come back and say to them, I wouldn't say that. Don't write that like that, because I wouldn't say that. Right. You know? So you have, you know, I call the Rainbow Coalition team. Yes. Okay. Diversity which is, University. Which is, which is awesome, because they're different. They're, they're <laughs> awesome to me. Um, and um, so when you are looking for interns or employees, what do you look for specifically? Um, I look for someone who is creative and someone who is not, and, and they're always nervous, of course, but you can tell who is just nervous at that point in time, but who's going to be able to break out of that shell and put in the work. Um, if they're committed to it, you may, because you can learn, there's a lot you can learn. I can teach you theories. I can't teach you how to be personable. I can't teach you how to um, be dedicated and committed. Um, so for example, we have one young lady, she started with us and she had an idea for a campaign. And I said, okay, we'll flesh that out next week. And on Sunday evening, I got a whole email and a PowerPoint presentation where she had thought about it and done focus groups with her own family about the campaign and the social justice climate. And I was like, you're hired. Um, <laughs> um, she took that extra initiative yep. to, to make it happen. So yeah, that makes sense. I'd hire her too. Yep, a little extra effort goes a long way. My mother told me that all the time. So I look for those interns that are willing to put in that extra effort. I look for those interns who, who are coming to learn. I've had some interns come in and act like they know more than me, you know? And I'm like, okay, you gotta go. Love you, but you gotta go. But if, you, if you're ready and willing to learn and you're gonna try it and you'll jump in there, then we're good. I also do intentionally look for a diverse population of interns. Um, especially because for me, you know, y'all see me, I'm black. Um, and yes, I have some white friends and things like that. But working in nonprofit space, especially, you have to learn about all different cultures and ethnicities and things like that. And they give me that knowledge. They tell me about what's going on in India. Um, we actually write email and website copy for a college that is, um, has a big campaign for international students. And they are a godsend to me because they have friends in that community and you know they grew up in India or this one grew up here and there and they can come and tell me, well, you know what, Miss Tiffany, in India, if you say that, it means this or it means that. So, you know, they bring a lot of knowledge to the team in terms of just their own life experiences and that helps me to do my job much better. 
Now you are a mom and a wife and a dog mom. And, <laughs> and so how do you balance your own business, running your company, running your employees? Morgan, I know she can take care of herself, but your daughter, Bentley, yeah, well, you know, sometimes he can take care of himself. Sometimes he, he can. can. He can. <laughs> so how do you handle all of that? I tell everybody there is no such thing as work-life balance. That's a lie. I don't listen to that because there is always something that's going to be pulling more attention at a particular time. There are things that have that are always more important, like my child, my children, uh, my daughter and my stepchildren are always more important to me than anything else in this world, but they're not always the one getting the attention at that moment. Um, so I prioritize. I learned a long time ago, um, not to apologize for being a mother. You know, we grew up in that era. My mother used to be like, you better not call me at work. You know, if your mother got called at work, you knew you was getting it, right? She was gonna, you was gonna get blocked <laughs> up when she got home. You know, you, you better not, they call me on my job. Um, so I really have tried to not do that to my daughter. Poor Morgan. <laughs> yeah, I try not to do that to her. Um, I, I've really become comfortable in my skin being a mom and running my own business and being able to say you know what i'm sorry but i need to change this meeting because my daughter needs me to do such and such and such and i make no apologies about that and they know it and they respect it because i give them all of me when i do when i can't give them any of me they know how to, to fend for themselves for the moment everybody accept them well Bentley, you know, is, 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 is his own mind, his own world. He's locked and, in the room with her now. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to have this conversation. Because he, he want to be, be part of the conversation, of course. Of course. You know I know. <laughs> so let me ask you this question, Tiffany. Um, being a business publicist, because that's pretty much what you do as businesses, um, do you also feel like that you're that cheerleader encouraging them instead of, you know, okay, well, you got to do point A, point B, point C. But I, I know, as even you as a business owner, sometimes we have struggles. Oh, absolutely. And you want to give up, you know? Well, so. absolutely. Um, the, the great thing, I think, about what I do, and I think about publicists altogether, when we have clients that we can be friends with, but we know where to, you know, how not to blur the line. I think the great thing about it is I do get to give those pep talks, you know, especially with the nonprofits. I have one client, I won't, I won't mention him, but when he hears this, he'll know I'm talking about him. He's like my little brother. And a whole lot of times I've, I watch his, the text will go and I'll sit there and look and be like, okay, four, five, six. He'll stop when he gets to 10. And then 10 texts, he won't say anything for a while and I'll give him some time to calm down. Then I'll call him and say, all right, so now what happened? And he'll say, oh, blah, 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 blah. And I'll say, okay, but didn't you tell me God gave you this vision? And, da, 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 da. and you know, so when I get those text messages or those phone calls later that say, thanks, I really needed that today, or I'm so glad to have somebody like you on my team. Again, it makes it all worth it. When my right. intern is like, Miss Tiffany, you taught me so much. And like, that makes it all worth it. So yeah, you actually, you know, being a publicist is like being a life coach. If you're, especially if you're not working with a large corporation, that's a little bit different. But when you're working with people in their personal brands or small businesses or nonprofits, and most nonprofits are started because somebody had a cause that was near and dear to their heart, it's a sensitive situation. And so, yeah, you are, you're that life coach, you're that cheerleader, you're that big sister, you're that mama, you know. Um, in my office building, they call me ma. You'll hear them come hollering down the hallway, grown men, ma! I'm down the Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
in all your years of being a publicist, what is the worst thing that you have seen or done and it, that 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 could have just cost you your whole career? Everybody has one, okay? So, mm -hmm. think about it. I'm trying to think about the worst thing I've done. So, I'll, the worst thing a client did for me, um, in my opinion, is I early on in my publicist career, I took on a music client. And he wants to be the next Usher, Chris Brown. And he's a talented individual. Um, but he had a girlfriend, I call her Lil Barbie. He had Lil Barbie. And, um, you know, that was the issue. Lil Barbie wanted to be all up on Instagram and all up on social media. <laughs> party. And I used to be like, Lil Barbie, you need to go sit down somewhere because these girls don't need to know you here. <laughs> One day I get a phone call and he, you know, he was very buff and worked out and little Barbie worked out too. And I get a phone call, I'm leaving a meeting and the team says, you have to look at what he posted on social media. And I go to his Instagram and him and little Barbie are sitting there talking about how fat people don't need to be in McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, going in. And I was livid. And I had to take a deep breath and call him up. And I tore into him. I had to remind him that he was not the next Usher or Chris Brown yet. And that if he continued to carry on the way that he was carrying on, him and little Bobby wasn't never gonna make it there. <laughs> and I said to him, those girls that look like little Barbie sitting next to you, they don't buy records, they broke. They too busy buying makeup. It's the girls you talking about, them big girls at BMA McDonald's. Those are the girls with the money that would buy your record, but not the way you going. So I put him on timeout. He could not post anything on his own social media for like the next three months until the project was over. And then I was like, I'm done. I can't do the entertainers. I can't, I'm, I'm done. So that was the worst thing a client did. Um, I don't necessarily know that I have a worst thing that I've done yet, but I'm still kind of, I'm still a little bit of a newbie. So I'm sure it'll come. Um, I'm pretty sure it will. If you talk to some clients, I'm sure that they have some worse things that I've done. Oh, that's an interesting point that you brought up. It's interesting how uh, former clients or clients that, that you really don't feel like you want to work with, they might want to bash you, bad mouth you, you know, because it happens to everybody, okay? Because they don't like whatever you did, or maybe you didn't do what they what they thought you were supposed to do, like put them on the cover of Vogue or something. But um you know, our reputation is everything in this industry. And sometimes I tell people, you can't always listen to what somebody else says. Mm -hmm. um, because you don't know what that relationship was. You don't know how it ended. You don't know. And I think that um, a lot of younger publicists get worried about that. You know, me, I don't give two shits. You know me, I don't care, okay? And I worry about that. So how would you advise a younger publicist to deal with First of all, client boundaries and the breakups, because they come. They do. Um, so I remember I used to be scared to fire a client. And then I yeah. got one client that was just absolutely, utterly ridiculous. And she kind of fired herself. She threatened, like, I don't think this is working out. Maybe I need to find somebody else. And that gave, she opened the door and I walked through it. And I was like, okay, so our contract ends on this date. And these are the things you need to do. And I can hand you this, da, 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 da. okay, by February 28th, we done. And she was like, wait, whoa, uh-uh. <laughs> no, we done, thank you. Um, but honestly speaking, 
you know, I'm one person that is always trying to check myself at the door. You know, I always check my emotions. I check my motives, right? Um, and as long as I can lay my head on the pillow at night and know that I did my very best, then I can't worry about what anybody else says. The Lord will take care of them. And that really is how I feel. Because God, you know, they say God sees what you didn't see, he heard what you didn't hear, and he can change what you can't change. So I don't worry about that anymore. I think it's, I think it's being in your 40s. I think, it, you know, it's maturity. Hell, I've been laid off three times in five years. If I can get through that, I really can't worry about what anybody else says. So I would just say to younger publicists, one, you have to establish boundaries. That phone is not a pacemaker. Um, just because they send an email at two o'clock in the morning does not mean you have to answer it at two o'clock in the morning. Be very, um, be very clear about the boundaries, what your business hours are and what things are emergencies. Like I have those conversations up front. What things are emergencies that you might need to call me at two o'clock in the morning for? Like I worked with a political candidate and a story broke at one o'clock in the morning. That was something that I needed to be up and working on. Um, so, you know, just set the boundaries and check yourself, be really honest. And, you know, if you screw up, go to the client and say you screwed up and then try to make up for it. You know, try to try to do something else, you know. Right. Um, we've had clients, like we've done sponsorships and things haven't turned out the way that we wanted them to turn out for whatever reason. And so I pull out, you know, I ask for favors here. Okay, well, you didn't get, we wanted 10 grand from this place and we didn't get it, but here, I got an NBA player. I can get you a signed basketball. So when you auction off, you might be able to make most of that 10 grand back from this basketball and from that. So there's other ways that you can show that you still have the client's best interest at heart. Sometimes things just don't work out no matter what you do. Um, right. But as long as you put your best foot forward and you had integrity, then go to sleep at night comfortable. That's what I do. Okay, that's very, very good advice. Okay, so um, let me ask you this question. <laughs> As a publicist, what do you find as joyful about what you do? People, I love people sometimes, not all the time, um, but people. And getting to, to help somebody else reach their goals and dreams is very satisfying for me. So I think that's the best part of being a publicist is that you get to see people make it. Right. You get to see people who, you know, they made it, may have come from the projects, the deep down dumps, and, you know, whether it's a talented artist, whether it's, you know, a, a business owner, an entrepreneur who maybe started out 10 kids, you know, poor, you know, poor story or whatever, and they make it. You get to be a part of other people's dreams and goals. And I think that that is a privilege. I think that's one of the most honorable things that somebody can do is to bring you in on their vision. And I think that we need to, you know, cherish that. They need to cherish us, of course, too. But I think we do need to know that that's a, a privilege. Because I always say that we have the most um, undervalued, unappreciated position ever. Uh, these people don't realize that we make and break their careers if Absolutely. we really wanted to. So, you know, but, you know, it, it, you know, that's a whole nother conversation for another day. But, <laughs> but um, anywho, so um, we know that you know some people that I know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, a certain person mm -hmm. said, Billy Council. <laughs> <laughs> 
I always find somebody that knows somebody so they can give a comment, okay? So Billy Council said that Tiffany is a workhorse. Oh, thank you, Billy. <laughs> Although she knows how to have fun at the same time. Tiffany is one of those people that you know that if you put your career in her hands, you're going to prosper. Oh, now I got to go buy him a drink or something. I ain't been outside because it's COVID. Girl, now, ain't nobody going outside right now. You gonna wait till next year. Next year and go to Cove and go buy him that drink. Because ain't nobody going outside. And speak of the pandemic, how has your company thrived during the pandemic? Initially, it was hard. We were the first to go. We lost two contracts right off the bat. And it was nothing I could say. We had a political client who could not campaign anymore. Not the right. way which she was used to campaigning, right? So we lost that one and then we lost another large nonprofit. So immediately we lost those two clients and I was like, okay, darn, what do we do? Um, we had a couple of other clients that we helped them to go virtual. So that was a plus. And then I'm always thinking of something. So I got a bunch of business owners together that I know, friends and colleagues who we all have businesses that are complementary of one another. And we put together a workshop. It's called the Pivot Collective. And we did a workshop, a free workshop, and said, these are the things you need to do to pivot your business to survive during the pandemic. And if you need this, this is that person. And if you need PR, there's TJM and company. And if you need this, this and that third. And so that brought us in a little bit of a uh, couple of referrals. And then we just started referring business to one another until we could, you know, get above water. That's how we ended up writing the copy for several websites. And that wasn't something that I would normally do, but I am, I have to pat myself on the back. I'm a pretty darn good writer. Um, so, you know, what else can I offer? So we've started to write copy for websites and that's been um, steady since then. And, um, then one of those same colleagues had to speak in front of Congress about the coronavirus and and um, the loans and all that kind of stuff. And he asked me to write his speech. Okay. And so I did that, you know, so we had to figure it out until we started getting business. And then people started to say, oh, wait, I have to compete with all, because now there's less money in the pool. Right. So nonprofits started to say, wait a minute, there's less money in the pool, but there's still the same amount of nonprofits. So I really need to tell my story and I need to brand. And then the phone started ringing again. So right. at the end, it ended up turning out in our favor. But in the beginning, it was a little scary. Well, but listen, know. I've been through three layoffs. So I was like, all right, Jesus, you done took me through those three. So you can do this again, right? right? But you know what I said, this pandemic really showed who real publicists were and who fake publicists. Um, you know, that's the reason why my book is coming out and I plug it every time, but it's don't be that microwave publicist. Wait, so my book be cracking up. I cannot wait. I'm so hyped for this book. Andrew. Girl, one of the chapters says, mass is for Catholic church. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that's about one of my pet peeves with that mass emailing, okay? Yes. And then, you know, we also have, <clears throat> Now accepting new clients. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> so I'm excited about this book because it's like 
I think I've learned a lot from you guys, especially because, you know, we had to figure out how to do these summits. We had to, you know, if y'all didn't know, Tiffany is part of the uh, Women in PR team. And we had to figure out, okay, we can't do them in person, so how are we getting ready to do that? And, you know, we had our bumps and bruises with the virtual. We got it down at the end, though. <laughs> well, we got it down. We rocked. I, I have to tell you, I, I have to say that I am so grateful to be a part of that Women in PR team. Um, a lot of the ladies I've not ever met in person, but they're my sisters. Like right. there's so much support and, you know, truly folks that can say collaboration over competition. And there's not a lot of women out there that can say that. Um, so I'm so grateful to be a part of that team. And we rocked those summits. We really, really we did. We did, because we didn't know what the hell we was doing, but we we, we learned at the end. We huh? learned it. We, we got it, it was, We was like, okay, we're going to try this. And, and we had a bunch of things. We made it work in that last one. Um, speaking of, of collabs and, and, and knowing other, I always tell people it's very important that you know other publicists. You know, I know I had to call upon you for Mecca and her event that she did um, in New York. Um, and then one time I couldn't make it to New York. I was supposed to come to New York, but I couldn't make it. But but y'all held me down. So how important, you know, I think people sometimes they, they think that that maybe if they come with another publicist that they're going to take their client or some real crazy mess. And, and you know, I, I don't believe in that foolishness, okay? I put out, I need a publicist that can help Mecca. You hit me up, okay? And, and Mecca ended up saying she's dope. She's so dope. I got to have her back again. Blah, blah, this and that. So how important is to have relationships with other publicists? I think it's really, 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 really important. And you know, I have a when I a couple years ago when I first started, uh, I have a a cousin that lives down in the Georgia area, uh -huh. and I was saying that I wanted to connect with some more publicists. And she said, I know a publicist down here, and she was just saying to me that the publicist she knows are a caddy, and you know, it's competition. And I told her she needs to meet you. And I said, okay. And we had a conversation and you know me, I'm super structured, right? So we're gonna meet on these days and this time and such and such. Um, we had a conversation and she said, I need help running. I don't do well with the business side of things. And I said to her, oh, I got that down pat. Right. But you could help me with the theory because you have the degree in PR and like you could help me with the theory. And we talked maybe twice and then she ghosted me acted like she ain't know me. She talks to me now. That's funny though. It, it's hilarious to me that she talks to me now. <laughs> you know, I you know, and I'm not bashing Georgia and Atlanta, but you know, they have an interesting breed of publicists there. That's all I can say. Have an interesting you know, and, and I know many of them there. And but they're interesting. So yeah, I, and, but, and, and I was my feelings were hurt. You I know, did. Well, what did I do to this? I didn't do anything to you. I was trying to help you and get you to help me. I'm not, I'm in New York. I don't want nothing in Atlanta. Like you know, I'm not coming for you or your people or whatever. The but case that's is. how they. But that's how they feel in Atlanta. And it was just really and not all publics in Atlanta, but there's a good majority right. of them that feel like if you approach them or whatever the case may be that you're trying to to take over or take their business. I don't know because you know what, it does happen down there. So I, I guess you know it it happens. I've seen it happen a lot in Atlanta. So maybe that's that fear that they have. But you guys out there, listen, if you do a good job for your client, it doesn't matter who comes along. They're going to stay with you if you do a good job for them. If they leave you, they come back. <laughs> and there's another one coming. Right. You know, I never worry about anything, ta anybody taking anything from me because you can't take anything from me that's mine. I have to let it go. 
Right. I have to give up on it. I have to slack up on it for you to take it. Otherwise, you can't take what was in, was meant for me. Exactly. There's enough money out here. There's enough for us all to shine. I've, I've never been, um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I am good at being a publicist. Everybody knows me. I have never been and never will be starstruck. That is not who I am. You know, that just, you always talk about, you know, publicists on a red carpet. That cracks me up when I see stuff like that. I'm like, wait, who are you, what are you talking? What are you doing over there? Like, sit down somewhere, you know. I'm real always low key, you know. And I do have fun, but you know, I'm low key. I don't need to be in the mix or I, I think I'm cute all by myself. I don't need to be up in the front. Like, no. Right. I don't know. I don't know if that's a New York thing. I don't know. I think I get that from my mama. My mama. No, I, think, I think that's a New York thing. I think. Oh, my mama's a New Yorker. So yeah, my mama is. is an uptown girl. Oh, so yeah. Okay. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my mama's an uptown girl. And she used to say it was girls as cute as me, but it was not no girls cuter than me. They was as cute as me. You know, that's, I know that's right. Mama. He was great. Mom, you know, my mother think that to this day. So well, um, your mama's super fly. So we already know. Okay. So <laughs> at the end of the day, we already know she's super fly. So we already know how that's going down. Okay. So, hey. So yeah, okay, well, it's way too much competition. Y'all need to put that to bed. You could get more money together than you can, especially because we're- Say that part again. Say that part again. You could get more money together. You okay. could get more money together. We are micro businesses. So in order for us to compete with the, um, the, the Ogilvy's and the, you know, the 5WPR, that's a nonprofit PR agency here in New York, you know, with all of these big conglomerate PR companies, in order for us to compete on that level, we need to come together. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. You can get more money together any day. So I don't know. I don't know what y'all be doing. But. They don't either. But anyways, your book comes out when? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. And where can they, and where can they get it at? It's on Amazon. It is P-R-Y until the second edition. It's available on Amazon as an ebook, And this time, you can order a paperback. I'm hyped about that. You can order a paperback. And I designed the cover. It's so cute. I can't wait. Also I can't my wait. graphic design skills, my fake graphic design skills on my we, cover. We, we all got that with that camera these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Tiffany, how can people find you and, and, and the name of your company and how can they follow your company, etc.? So we are TJM and Co Media Boutique. I couldn't do Tiffany and Company because I was already taken. So it's TJM and Company. I'm named after that store, but they would have sued me. So it is TJM and Company Media Boutique. We are in Brooklyn, New York. We are still in Bed-Stuy. We have office, but it's in Bed-Stuy. On Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, we are always at TJM and Co. And then me across all platforms, I'm Ms. Tiffany Joy, publicist, and I'm here. All right, Tiffany, thank you for taking time out your busy schedule to talk with me today. Yes, love I, it. You know, I, I always appreciate you. Yeah. I appreciate you. And um, one final word from you. If you have something to say to a young post to encourage them, what would it be? Get out your feelings and get this money. <laughs> I like that. I like and there that. is money in nonprofit PR. Let me tell y'all, just FYI, you get the right clients and they get them government grants rolling in. Oh, trust and believe. 
There's right. money in no You're right about that too. When they get them government grants, so that's not mean you go out there and work for the so and so rescue around the corner because they're not going. No, no, girl, no, mm-mm, mm-mm, no, no. All right, Tiffany, once again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate thank you, boss lady. And we'll be talking to you again soon. Yes, I love it. <laughs>